are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, what a wonderful chapter this is, and may the Lord speak to us out of His blessed Word tonight. Let's begin reading with verse 1, 18 wonderful verses in this chapter. Read the entire chapter. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, begin reading with verse 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we've received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. I'd like to mention something to you about this verse. It's not our text, but I, it's so important. Paul says we've renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. You know, the greatest thing in the world about your Christian testimony is sincerity, greater than anything in the world. Sincerity. It's greater than ability. It's greater than talent. It's greater than anything in the world. Somebody was talking to me about a preacher the other day. They said, I don't know how this work has grown so. said, it's not because... We have a great preacher. I said, it's because you have a sincere preacher. And I believe that with all my heart. And I believe that ought to be true of every Christian. I don't believe anybody ought to ever preach anything they don't believe and don't feel. I don't think they ought to sing anything they don't feel and believe. I don't think they ought to testify anything they don't see and feel and believe. Sincerity is the greatest thing about our Christian testimony. If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith According as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken, 
we also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God, for which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Now I want you to notice tonight what I believe to be a tremendously wonderful verse in the Word of God. And one I believe that has a tremendous message for the child of God, a tremendous lesson for God's children in verse 7 of this wonderful chapter. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. I wish I had more ability. I wish I could clarify as I want to this tremendous verse tonight. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. This is a wonderful chapter. It is a chapter that is filled with contrasts. If we were to take a few moments tonight and study the contrast in this chapter alone, I think it ought to bless the heart of every child of God here tonight. This chapter deals with the temporal versus the eternal. It deals with the things related to time and then deals with the things that are just as eternal as God himself. And happy is that child of God who can distinguish between the temporal and the eternal. It deals with the outward man and the inward man. The chapter teaches us that the outward man perishes day by day, but the inward man is renewed by the power of God. The outward man and the inward man. You see, in all these contrasts, one is relatively unimportant and the other is all important. The things that are temporal are relatively unimportant, while the things eternal are tremendously important. The outward man, that's what our text is a great deal about tonight, the outward man is not tremendously important, but the inward man is all important. It deals with the contrast of earthly circumstances versus heavenly realities. It contrasts human weakness and divine power. It contrasts earthly praise versus divine approval. You know, it's just something in man. He wants somebody to say, that's good, well done. But divine approval is far more important than earthly praise. There is set forth in this chapter the ministry of truth as contrast with religious counterfeits. There is set forth in this chapter the scene 
versus the unseen. The seen is relatively unimportant, and the unseen is all important. You can't see faith, but you can see faith open the windows of heaven and move the arm of God. You can't see love, but you can see the fruits of love as it's lived in the life of a Christian, the seen and the unseen. Seen things are going to pass away. Every material thing is fragile and temporary and soon to be gone and forgotten. But the unseen will last forever. And so it's a wonderful chapter of contrast. And I think there's a contrast in verse 7 that I want us to speak to you about tonight. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Now, the treasure is the gospel of Jesus Christ it's talking about here. It says, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. You know, that's the tragic thing about it. You are saved tonight, and you've heard the gospel, and you believe the gospel, and you are saved tonight, and because you're saved, you're sure of heaven. But there are millions of people that have not yet heard the gospel. And the tragedy is, if the gospel is hid... By derelict life, it is hid to people who are lost. That's the tragedy of a Christian, not living his testimony, not living for God. He hides the gospel. He puts a bushel over his life and keeps somebody else from seeing it. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Now, the treasure is the gospel. The earthen vessel is this human body. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. The other night, out in another state, when I'd finished preaching, a very nice-looking lady came down. I never wanted to try to guess a lady's age because, uh, <clears throat> first place, she wouldn't tell you the truth about it if you guessed it, but she looked about 35, 38 years of age. Very well-dressed, very fashionable, but very modest and fine-looking Christian woman. She stood down here at the front, and she said, Mr. Malone, could I have a moment of your time? She said, I'm a Christian, and she said, I believe I can truthfully say tonight that I'm more interested in getting the gospel to other people and getting people saved than I am anything else in all the world. But she said, I have a tremendous problem. She said, you see, when I was born into this world, I was born an illegitimate child. And she said, I know that I'm saved. But she said, there's something uh, in me always saying, you can't give the gospel. You can't be a witness. You were born out of wedlock. You're an illegitimate child. This fine-looking lady said, every time I stand up to witness, every time I stand to sing, the devil says to me, you're not fit to do it. And I thought of this verse. We have this treasure in an earthen vessel that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. You know, the Lord never meant for us to put a great deal of importance on this, this physical body. It's the treasure that's in it. That's the important thing. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. 
that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Now, I believe there are three things in this earthen vessel, which is this body. If you're a Christian tonight, you have within you three things that are of utmost importance in your life tonight. You have, first of all, the light of Christian testimony. Verses 3 through 6 mention this light three times. And the greatest thing in the world for a Christian is to let his light shine. Jesus talked of that. He said, a city set on a hill cannot be hid. And he said, nobody lights a candle and puts it under the bed. And he said, no one lights a candle and places a bushel over it. The light of Christian testimony you have tonight as a Christian in this earth and castle. And woe be unto the Christian that lets something hide that light. You know, there's a great illustration of this in the Old Testament. A wonderful story. I just, I like to read it. I like to think about it. I like to tell it. I like to meditate on it. It's about a man that if I were to see him tonight, I'd say he'd never amount to anything in the world. His name was Gideon. You know, the Midianites were the enemies of the people of God, and they were coming uh, down into the land of the Israelites and reaping their crops and taking them back into Midian and overcoming the children of God, and the children of God were afraid. One day old Gideon has a little handful of wheat, and he's hiding behind a wine press and trembling and shaking and afraid, and the Lord says to him the strangest thing. He comes to him and he says, Hey there, thou mighty man of valor. Now you imagine that, trembling and afraid, but God says to him, Hey there, you brave soul. You know why the Lord said that, I believe? First of all, Gideon knew his weakness. And I believe that a person begins only to be strong when you know your weakness. And he knew his. Then the Lord looked upon him and saw in him not only what he was, but God saw in him what he could be. And thank God he sees that tonight in every Christian. He sees the potential in you and me as a child of God. Now he said to Gideon, I'm going to take you and I'm going to deliver the children of Israel from the hands of the Midianites to this power that's hiding behind that wine press and trembling and afraid, I'm going to take him and he's going to be the general of the army. Now man wouldn't do that. God did. He saw in him his potential. Gideon got him an army. It numbered 32,000 people. And the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many, you're going to have to get rid of some of these people. Now, I don't know what would happen if the Lord had come to a lot of preachers and say, you've got too many in your Sunday school, you've got 32,000, you're going to have to get rid of a big bunch of them. I'll tell you, you'd hear preachers weep and wail, you could hear them all over the world. But God said to Gideon, your army is too big. I can't do what I want to do because I want the excellency to be of the power of God and not of man. So I'm going to choose, first of all, a man trembling and afraid 
and make of him as brave a man and courageous a man as the world's ever seen. Said, Gideon, you got too many. So Gideon made an announcement. And the announcement was, everybody that's afraid, go home. That got rid of 22,000 people. He said, if you're afraid, go home. Then the Lord just keeps putting it to Gideon. He says, Gideon, you have 10,000 left, but I can't do this job I want to do with 10,000. He said, you have too many, and I want to get rid of some more. And he said, this is the way we're going to do it. It's a beautiful thing. He said, tell them all to go get a drink of water. And he said, the ones who get down on their knees and drink of the river, those you will not take. But there be some others who drink that you will take. You will take the ones who walk through that river, throwing it into their mouth as they go with their face toward the enemy. You can take those, God said, and they will be a part of your army. So Gideon said, all right, let everybody go get a drink of water. So they went down to the river, and 9,700 of them stopped and got down on their knees and washed their face and threw it on the back of their neck and put their face down in it and drank. And when they finished, Gideon said, 9,700 of you go on back home. 300 of them never stopped, but with their face toward their responsibility. They put the water in their mouths and on their way they went. And God said, with you 300, I will win the victory. You know, God, God wants the excellency of the power to be a God and not a man. And it's a strange thing how they did it. Lord said, I want everybody to get a trumpet in the right hand. Now, I don't know why the right hand. This cause God wanted them in the right hand. That's all I know. Everybody get a trumpet in the right hand, all 300 of you, and everybody get a, a lamp, now an earthen vessel, a lamp that can be broken, get a little old pot of clay and put a candle in it, a light in it, and hold that in your left hand and a trumpet in your right hand. Now, if anybody in the world knows anything about military, would have come and said, General Gideon, where's your army? He'd say, there they are, and you look out there, there's 300 guys with a in one hand and a little earthen vessel in the other. They said, that's an army? God said, when I tell you, want all 300 of them to blow that trumpet at one time. Now, they weren't trumpeteers. They couldn't play any more than I could play. Can you imagine 300 guys blowing a trumpet at one time? you got 300 different notes. That'd scare anybody today. But the Lord said, blow the trumpet, 300 trumpets at one time, and break the earthen vessel in the left hand so that the light can be seen. So Gideon's army of 300 blew the trumpet all at once, and 300 lights came on, and they never killed a soldier. You know what happened? The enemy killed themselves. I was interested in how Brother Phil Schuler told how they did it. Brother Schuler said that maybe one guy said, you shoved me, you pushed me. Guy said, no, I didn't. He said, well, somebody did. 
John is get you anyway, so he kills him. He kills another. They kill themselves. But the beautiful picture is God said, break the earth is natural. It's not important. As the Bible speaks of it, it's defiled, it's cheap, it's worthless. It doesn't matter. But the lightning matters greatly, God said. Let the light shine. You know, you've got a vessel. You're going to have to break before the world can ever see the light of the gospel in you. You know, old Brother Ralph Savage, God bless him. I say, old Brother Ralph, I don't know how old he was. He's probably younger than I am. I call people old, a lot younger than I am. Old Brother Savage, God bless him. I heard him give his testimony one night uh, before the Lord took him home. One of the most wonderful things I ever heard. He came to this town lost and without God and without hope. The Lord saved him in this church. And he went, went to the General Motors Truck and Coach Company and put the Word of God on his desk. He said people come through his office and see that Bible on the desk and he said, instead of coming right by the desk, he said it looked like a calf looking at a new game. Scared to death. And one day somebody came and said, you, you better get that thing off that desk. Brother Ralph Savage said, no, as long as I'm here, the Bible's going to be there. And he said, as long as I'm here, the life's going to be there. Let me say to you tonight, this old body in the eyes of God means nothing except it be consecrated to him. But the life that God has put in you, Jesus said, you are the life of the world and there isn't any other life. A lot of people haven't broken the vessel yet. A lot of people are too proud to go knock on somebody's door. The vessel has not been broken, but it has to be broken for the light to shine. I, I was talking about the testimony of Brother Ralph Savage that went to be the Lord and saved in this church, he and his family. When he came to this town to work in the engineering department, General Motors Truck and Coach Company, he said to Mrs. Savage, we're going to find out where the people of this town, the engineers of this factory, this plant, where they go to church, and where the engineers go, mostly, that's where we're going to go. So he found out where the people in the engineering department went, mostly, and it was one of these dead mausoleums where you never hear an amen, never see a soul saved, where the Word of God is not preached. And so he took his family, and he went to that church, and Brother Savage said he was sitting there one morning, when preacher wore a robe, I don't know if anything too awfully wrong with that. John Wesley wore one. I sure wish I had his fire. He set that thing ablaze. But his preacher wore a robe, and, and he talked about the birds and bees and nature and everything but the gospel. One morning, Mr. Savage spoke to Mrs. Savage and said, You know, I'm lost. And you're lost. And all of our children are lost. And he said, you know, we're never going to be saved in this church. Now, they were talking during church. Now, that's wrong if there's somebody talking up here. But the fellow up here wasn't saying anything, so I think it was all right. He said, um, um, you're lost, I'm lost, children are lost. I think there's eight of them, eight children. I'm not sure, I think there's eight. And he said, we're never going to get saved in this church. So they got out in the car in the station wagon, and they started home, and she said, where are you going to go to church next Sunday? He said, I know and I don't know. She said, what does that mean? He said, 
you have the children ready next Sunday morning, and uh, we'll be in the station wagon at a certain time. We'll have it headed out of the driveway. And he said, I've noticed Sunday morning a yellow bus comes by our house. And I've heard boys and girls singing in that bus, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And he said, I have an idea that God is in that bus. And he said, where that bus goes, that's where we're going. When the bus came by the next Sunday morning, station wagon pulled out behind an old brother Savage at driving, and about eight little toeheads in the back at Mrs. Savage, and he said, we're following this bus, and wherever it goes, that's where we're going. And I'll tell you where it went. It came as straight to 645 South Telegraph Road as it's possible to drive a church bus. And that time they were saved, and God used them to win others to Christ. And you know why? There was a church that in some way was trying to let the light shine. And I'm saying to you tonight, God said this treasure we have in an urban battle. That the excellency may be of, of the power, of, may be of God and not of us. Listen, you know, have you ever seen anybody proud of his body? I have. You ever see a guy proud of his muscles? We used to have one in this church. Thank God I said something he didn't like and he left. He stood around like this all the time. You couldn't get by him now. Listen, this is truth I have told it. Forty-year-old man, father of several children, and struck his muscles. Why, well, he wear a short sleeve shirt and no coat and a 20 below zero. <laughs> and, you know, people, and oh, Lord, help me, I'd never tonight want to get on women, you know, standing in front of that mirror. I'm going to tell you something tonight. I am so glad the Lord made me a man. I can just stand in front of the mirror in about three strokes and I'm ready to go. But now, woman... She starts 12 hours before she's going to go. I wouldn't sleep for that hardware on my head. No way on earth. My stars. You know, a lot of men get a revelation. They see that pretty thing. They get married and, and uh, uh, the first night they start putting all the rollers. It's rolled up and here it is. And I don't know how they can sleep. And uh, they take something and start taking the makeup off, and here's a woman as pale as a ghost. <laughs> My star, I'm so glad that I, the Lord made me a man. But you know, I've seen folks so proud of the physical thing, the physical body. But God says it's an earth and natural, and it's worthless. That's what God says. You know how much you're worth? We had it figured out a few years ago before inflation hit. You were worth about a dollar ninety-seven cents if you're an average-sized person. I mean, if you take all the phosphorus and, and all the chemical, chemicals, all the lead, all the sulfur, all of this, been all iron, take it all out of your body, take it to the apothecary and sell it. A few years ago, you'd bring a dollar ninety-seven cents. That's all you worth. Now you're worth more now. You're probably worth about ten bucks now. But now isn't that something? Why, God says that we have this treasure in an earthen vessel, not the mighty gold and silver 
that God had in the tabernacle in the temple, but an earthen piece of crockery, for God is saved. It's not that that's important. It's the gospel that's important. We have the light in it. We have the gospel of saving power. You know, the Lord's entrusted something to us. He said to Paul, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel, an old piece of crockery, a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name unto the Gentiles. Sitting with a man uh, some time ago in a motel at a breakfast table, and the fellow, wonderful good friend of mine, and I believe this is honest as honest it can be. And he was telling me about the, something that happened to him, and he said, had a man in his church that told him one time, said, I want to come over to your house a certain morning. I hope you'll be there. And I want to bring something I want you to keep for me. So he said the morning came and the hour arrived and a car pulled up and there were two bodyguards and this man, Christian man, the man is, man got out and they brought some boxes in and they were closed and sealed and he said, would you put these away for me? And he said, I'll be glad to keep them for you. Man never told him what they were. The bodyguards went back and got in the car and the man got in the car and they left. This man sitting at the table said to me, Tom, do you know what, what that man has me keeping in his home? And he says, it frightens me to death. He said he's a good man and he's an honest man and there's nothing crooked about it. But he said, I have in my home $250,000 of gold bullion that man's asking me to keep for him. And I got the, I got the thing all of us, and I thought of a lot of things. I thought of what we could do with that $250,000 for one thing. But um, I got to thinking about my what cost, what confidence that that man had in my friend to commit to his keeping a quarter of a million dollars. But do you know the God of heaven who gave his son to die on the cross has committed to you and I tonight the answer to the world's needs in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have in this earthen vessel the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have in us tonight the Son of God. You know, there are four things that make something valuable. Rarity, the utility of it, the duration of it, and the professional appraisal of it. You can submit Jesus to all these. He's rare because he's the only one like him the world's ever known. Jesus is usable. He saves us from our sins. He gives us a home in heaven. He's durable. He'll last forever. And every Christian I've ever heard of praise him tonight has said he's fairer than 10,000 to my soul. We have the Son of God in our hearts. As you know, all of you uh, that have ever heard me much before, know I was raised on a farm down North Alabama. I'm glad I was. But I, don't, I hope the Lord will spare me from ever having to go through all that again. Farming during the Depression, an old poor rocky farm, cotton selling for four cents a pound, some old scrawny bony mules, the stubborn, most stubborn beast God ever let live. I don't want any more of it. I'm glad the Lord's delivered me from it. But I was raised on a farm. I used to milk six cows in the morning and at night. 
Now, I don't mean go out and attach some electrical equipment to the... Well, that's utterly ridiculous to do that. Just, it's utterly ridiculous. <laughs> Brother Farley will get it about, to, about midnight tonight and he'll wake up laughing. I mean by hand. And uh, my grandmother, God bless her, my grandmother and grandfather were an institution. They were not just two people. They left the day my grandfather died, 109 living descendants. They were married 72 years, 70 years and loved one another more the day he died, I guess, than ever before. They never spent a night away from one another for anything except when one of them in later years would have to be taken to the hospital and confined. Seventy years they were married, wonderful people. My grandmother ran the home. We used to have, in, as every farm did, a, an old clay crock, piece of crockery, a churn. Had on the bottom of a, of a broom handle, had a little cross about like that, and you just pump that up and down and churn the butter, milk to the butter king. My grandmother used to take that churn, this earthen vessel made out of earth and clay, she used to take it and she'd put a clean white cloth on it and then we didn't have rubber bands or string, just a, another piece of long cloth and she'd tie it around that cloth across the top of it, set it by the fire. Every once in a while she'd come and she'd tilt it a little bit and she'd turn it. And then a little while later she'd turn it again until it, that milk in there turned to clapper. And then you take the, the churn and you take the thing you put down in it and you turn it and makes butter. Now, I had a brother who doesn't look anything like me, six foot two. He weighed way over 200 pounds. His arms so long, he had a home like this, keep his fingers from dragging the ground. <laughs> My cousins were built the same way. They're great big men. I'm, I'm, I'm an average size man, I guess, and, uh, in size, that is. I'm below average in intelligence, but in size, I'm, I guess I'm about average. But all of the men were big men. I mean, great, big, long-legged, long-armed men. But somebody had to do that journey. And my sweet old grandmother always picked the, the least one. She'd set me down and had on overalls, you know, and she'd set me down and she'd put a clean white cloth over my lap. And she'd say, now, Tom, you turn the milk. And I'd be turning, and old John, my brother, would come by and he'd do like this. And my cousins would come by. Shame on you, you big sissy, turning the milk. Boy, I'd get so mad. And I'd have to do it anyway, just sit there and turn. I've often thought about that turn. I've often thought how I thank God I don't have to do it anymore. But suppose tonight I bring that, that vessel, that earthen vessel here, and it was be filled with diamonds and emeralds and sapphires and golds and silvers until it was filled with thousands of dollars worth of precious jewelry. And I'd say to you ladies especially, I want you to come and see this thing. Can you imagine some woman coming up here looking at that old piece of crockery that turned? Wow, that was the prettiest turn. I, I never saw a turn as pretty as that one. Look how round it is, and look at that treasure. No, they'd come and look at that treasure inside. 
They'd say, have you ever seen anything like this? And friend, this world has never seen anything as wonderful as the Son of God inside the earthen vessel of a born-again Christian. But we have this treasure in an earthen vessel that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of man. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit KNVBC.com for Christian music you can trust.